Wrestling fans, this April in Jacksonville, Florida, the Spartan Combat Nationals are returning. Wrestle a different style each day, April 8th through the 10th, 2022, at the Spartan Combat Nationals. Register now at SpartanCombat.com. Now let's get to the show. The way that match went, um, it that's a, that was a that was a defining moment for me in my wrestling career. I'm I'm extremely grateful and passionate about that moment because any kid that even feel like they want to quit or give up or act feel like the odds against them. What I went through with that match, and just in that moment, it it, it could have broke me, man, and, and turned me off for wrestling for forever. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort it humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back my time, that's good wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. This is your host, Ryan Warner. Our guest today is the Harvey Twisters head coach, Travis Hammonds. Travis and I went to high school during the same time. He graduated in 05 when he won a state title. He went on to win a JUCO national title before becoming in the position he's at now where he's leading the great Harvey Twisters. For folks who aren't from Illinois, the Twisters are one of the most successful kids clubs in state history. Their longtime coach, Quinn Troy Harrell, created a dynasty there and led the Twisters for 25, 30 years before Travis took over. I'm really excited for this episode. Can't wait for you folks to hear it. Travis has a crazy story in his own right before becoming the Twisters head coach. All right, fan of the week time. This week it goes to one of our most recent Apple podcast reviews. A. Gasper left a review on October 1. Thank you for the kind words, sir. We greatly appreciate it. As we do our friend Jesse Cross, who also left a review on Apple Podcasts. If you're enjoying this show, please go to Apple Podcasts, leave a review, leave a rating. It helps bubble up this show to wrestling fans just like you. And that's it, folks. Let's get to the episode with the great Travis Hammonds. The great Travis Hammonds. Welcome to the podcast, sir. Pleasure having you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, sir, man. I was just going down memory lane looking through some of your brackets from back in the day. So I graduated high school in 07. You were 05, and so a lot of overlap. Let's just start start for folks from the very beginning, because you know a lot of people in Illinois know your name, but maybe not outside the state. You grew up with the legendary Harvey Twisters. When did you get your entrance to that club? Uh, uh, Uncle Alan Long. I think he's like he's here, Uncle now. Alan Long. He worked with my mom way way back in the day, and um, he told her about wrestling. 
and I was a very aggressive and combative kid, temperamental. And uh, she took me, she let him take me to practice. At, uh, I think I was five or six years old. And the rest is history. I loved it ever since the first day. And some of the guys in your in your three man groups back then were legendary. You got Lloyd's. Oh, yeah. Who's who? Who were some of your guys as you grew up? Albert White, uh, the Lloyds, Charles Lloyd, Cassio Perot, uh, Timmy Springs, Alonzo Noble. Uh, those guys. Those are guys that I kind of. They was a couple years older than me and everything they was doing because they were old enough to go to the kid level state tournament before me. So I watched them do it first. So I want to come right behind them and do the same thing. That was the thing back then. Cause you, they only had novice and senior, right? And I could have yep. back then. Yep. Novice and senior. And so you yep. were wanting to be with the older guys. And I, I just looked at the generation that came right before you, like the, the Milton Blakely's, you know, David Douglas, Malik Elliott's Tony. I mean, obviously the Tony Davis's and Williams, but were they in there at all or overlapping with you? They, 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 they came in from time to time, but you know, once you uh, leave high school, college and thereafter life started happening, man. So when they made, when they could, they come back to the room, man, and give us that joy or that, that, that legend feel and, Everything we always heard Coach Quint say over the years about those guys before us. And you talk about Coach Quint, one of the legendary figures in, in Illinois wrestling. What is it about his philosophy that enables the Twisters to be so successful? His heart is pure. He's genuine in his approach. Uh, and as a kid, you feel it. And I, I believe any kid over time, even if you don't get it immediately as a kid, but when you're dealing with a coach like that, and, and you understand fully that he really care for you and care about you. And it ain't just in the coach to make it because you got a lot of coaches that just do it to, for some self prestige or to make themselves look good. He genuinely in it for the kids to keep us out of trouble off the street. And, and, uh, and therefore some is meant to go to Olympics. Some is just meant to say they like, some might get a state title or national title out of it. everybody processing path is different. That's one hell of a guy, man, and I take my hat off to him, and I've seen him go through a lot dealing with wrestling just to be a coach and a father figure and, a, and a, you know, to have some input and our guidance and set us up for life. He's an amazing guy. And you said for some people he saved their life? Absolutely. I was one of those guys. How yeah, so? He was, a part of, he was a part of saving my life. Um, I coach now, and um, a lot of things he taught me, I, I instill in the kids and also just from my experience, of course, my experience and everything I've been through, it, it's helped me be a great coach. But um, like I tell the kids, I, I looked and I tried my best to be a failure, but wrestling and, and, and Coach Quinn would let me. Every time I would mess up or do something wrong, he would play in my mind something he didn't told me. It always stuck out like a sore thumb every time. So... That guy, like I said, he's an amazing guy, man. I can talk from here to 20 years from now about me and his experience. Yeah, I love him to death. What are some of the things that he said over the years that stick in your mind? Well, growing up, um, my home life wasn't the best, you know. And uh, I would always, him and my, and my grandmother, my late grandmother, I would always go to them about what I was going through. And um, I would go through a lot with my mom. He would just always say, that's still your mom. That's still your mom. I didn't get that as a kid. But as I grew and I experienced more, and I learned a lot the hard way. And um, 
as I'm living life more and more, I fully understand now when you should tell me that that's still your mom. Because no matter what, right or wrong, that's your mother, man. Came out of you, out of honor her, and, and just whatever the case may be, that's mom. So I fully understand it now. We're about the same age. It's kind of crazy to look back at all the stuff we heard in high school and how true it is a lot of the times. You talk about, you know, where you grew up. What part of Chicago did you grow up in? I grew up uh, about two to three minutes from where we practiced at the Harvey Park District. I, I, I used to walk to practice. Got it. And what was your reality like growing up as a kid? Uh, I grew up pretty fast, man. I, I My experience growing up was different. I, uh... Like a lot of my teammates had mom and dad there watching them um, compete and, and do whatever they did. I kind of just had Coach Quint and, and the park for for the most part. And sometimes my family would show up, but for the most part, consistently I was watching my teammates, how they, you know, they love ones there. So my experience, I, I that's what made me great. It fueled me at sports, though, because in my mind, I didn't really care if nobody showed up or not. I was so tunnel vision and so locked in on what I needed to do and and, and my goals and just everything I wanted to accomplish. So it made me hungry. It could have made me or it could have broke me, but it made me. So you had a chip on your shoulder walking into these kids' tournaments. Absolutely. Every single one. Every single practice. Not just the tournaments. Practice. It started in practice. Man, that is – it just shows you, like – you know, some of the kids you're wrestling, they had no idea what you're going through and how, how serious you took it. And so for you to, uh, you know, to get to that point, get on the mat with those guys, it must have been pretty awesome to watch you as a kid. I know you won a ton of, you know, youth titles. Yeah. When did you uh, when did you get the first the first bracket in IKWF? Uh, man, I will have to go in the archives and dig up some boards, man. <laughs> that that that's. That's a doozy. That's somewhere in the nineties, though. I, I got a, I got a lot of names on a lot of bracket boards. <laughs> Were you IWF or was it IKWF? Because I know they split I, off. I was both. I was both. I was both. So, so I was IKWF. I was nine years old, and I won IKWF sectionals at sixty-two pounds, but I wasn't old enough to go down state. Then my mom took me off the team for two years, and I came back and we was IWF, and that's when I won my first state title. My first year back on the mat at 74 pounds. Why'd your mom take you off the team? Man, to this day, I have no clue. That's just part of my, part of telling you, I grew up, I grew up rough, man. I, I have no clue. And I, I love wrestling. I eat, live, sleep it to this day. I have no clue, but it just fueled me. And when I was able to put them shoes back on, I made it count. Gosh, just right, right away winning a title. And then... We're going to talk about high school and, and what you did at JUCO, but just for folks who don't know, are you one of the coaches at the Twisters now, if not the head coach of the Twisters now? Yeah, 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 yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. When did when did that start? Because as far as we uh, knew, Quint was the guy for a long time. Yeah, Quint, Quint um, it's always been Quint, but Quint, Quint is enjoying life now as he should, man. He's well-deserving of it. Um, about, about Four or five years ago, I want to say I started slowly but surely uh, coming in and, and coaching and 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 just doing my part. I mean, what a what a legendary position to have the you know the coach of the Harvey Twisters, and I haven't been involved with you know IKWF or even IHSA wrestling for the past five years at like a really grassroots level, but I'm sure the tradition is carrying on. 
But I think for folks to really appreciate your story, let's go back to your to your high school days. Initially, why did you transfer out of Thornwood to go to Hubbard? Uh, it was my mom's decision. Uh, the coach came and um, he 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 whispered sweet nothings to her and told her what she wanted <laughs> to hear, man. And and man, she uh, she transferred me out and she kind of forced my hand. She forced me to go to Hubbard. And I hated it then, but I'm grateful for it now because it helped me be the man I am today. Everything I experienced happened to um, deal with everything I dealt with, transitioning from there all the way going to a South Side City school. So did you grow up within the city limits or more Harvey? And then Hubbard's no, I grew in the up, I grew, I grew up. I didn't know nothing about Hubbard until I ended up there myself more uh, year. So a lot of folks think that Harvey's actually in the city. It's not. It's more of a no, you know, it's South Suburbs. The South Suburbs. Harvard's directly in the CPS? 6200 6, South Hamlin Avenue, yep. It's the public league, CPS. What was the wrestling room like at Hubbard? Uh, we had to pull mats out every day. We had to roll them back up after practice. We used to practice in the lunchroom for a few seasons. Then I think my last year we moved all the way to the third floor, so we had to carry mats up the stairs almost every day and then. Then they finally started letting us keep the mats in the girls' gym and just rolling them up and putting them on the side. So Carry them up the steps? Three, three levels, yep. Man. So I went through a lot just to get on the mat and get a practice in it. Stuff that, uh, you know, elite wrestlers shouldn't have to go through if I was at a Mount Carmel or, you know, one of those top schools for wrestling. Speaking of Mount Carmel, you know, it's one of the, the pipelines for the Twisters. And there was a lot of rumors back in the day that, you know, you walk off the IKWF platform, you win a state title, and Mount Carmel, St. Rita's there to give you a full scholarship. Did you experience anything like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Maris had been talking to my mom since I was in like seventh grade. Yeah, but she told him actually we was moving to um, either San Francisco or San Jose, California. So all the coaches and everybody from here had their mind that I was uh, moving out of state. So Coach Quinn had started talking to me about, you know, it's only one state tournament in high school in California. I need you to be ready when you get out there. So we was talking about that for like a full season because she had everybody think we was moving. Ultimately, we didn't. I ended up in Thornwood because she didn't care nothing about me and wrestling. For the most part, she said, you're going to school with your brother. And my brother was a senior in high school at the time, so she made me go to school with my brother. Then he left high school, and uh, she ended up talking to the coach at Hubbard, got connected with him, and, and, and made me go to Hubbard. And once you were there, you you know immediately became one of the best public school wrestlers of all time. Sophomore year, get down to state, one loss. And this is during the crazy years where your guy had to make it to the semis to pull you back in. So my sophomore year was tough, man. It kind of, it kind of almost made me um, want to not want to wrestle no more. So back then, what I did on the mat was whatever, because I didn't have no parent that you know, no father that uh, was there and, and and overseas saw me or whatever. So Quint was that. That was my father's figure, and whatever he said, do that's what I did. So we had Charles and Cass that waits over me. Charles Lloyd and Cassio Perot, two Mount Carmel um, state champions in high school. So I was cutting a lot of weight to make 125. So I was really drained. I just rushed that season to make weight, to be honest. That's why I went out there and lost that match five to four. I never forget it. Um, I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't myself that season. So after that, I had a long talk with Quint going into my junior, and I just told him I don't want to cut weight no more ever, wrestling, and I never cut weight again. 
you're talking about the five four match with Sean Reynolds, right? Uh, that was my junior year. Okay. Okay, I wasn't sure. So your sophomore year. So those other guys you mentioned, you just wrestled down so you wouldn't wrestle them at the state tournament because they weren't on your team, were they? Like Cassie on no, those they, guys? They, no, that was at Mount Carmel. If I wrestled them and worked out with them, we'd be back in the room. We all went back to the twist room. Gotcha. So who was the five to four loss to your sophomore year? Do you remember? I can't even remember that guy's name, man. I can't even remember. He didn't do nothing. Like I said, like you said, he lost the very next match. Dude, that one... That's that's a horrible feeling to sit there hoping the guy who just beat you won. And yep. then your junior yep. year, had you wrestled Sean Reynolds before the state tournament? No, but Charles Lloyd wrestled him the season before that. And um, I kind of mimicked the same match. He just took him down. He nickel and downed him, took him down, let him go. I did the same thing. Took him down, let him go. And I, I read an old article from the Tribune where you said after that match, it literally felt like you had died. Like Yeah, because... Um, because um, the way that match went, um, it that's a, that was a that was a defining moment for me in my wrestling career. I'm I'm extremely grateful and passionate about that moment because any kid that even feel like they want to quit or give up or act feel like the odds against them. What I went through with that match, and just in that moment, it it, it could have broke me, man, and, and turned me off for wrestling for forever. But um. I took him down. I let him go the whole match. He didn't get a takedown on me. I get my hand raised. Uh, the head ref for the tournament, I forget his name. They went and got him. He came to the match. Um, they took my points off the board, and he got his hand raised. Then my coach tried to go to the head table. They told him to get back, or they're going to put me out the tournament. They treated me like a, a CPS kid, man, like slop, man. And, uh, I, I I lost it, man. I blacked out. I, I did nothing to lose that match. I didn't get took down. I did what I had to do. He, he chose bottom. He got his escape. I chose bottom. I got my escape, and I got two takedowns that match to his none. So you tell me how I lose that match. The whole arena boo. I've never had so many people on my side, and visually seeing it and being a part of it. And the only and Coach Quint came down into the tunnel because they went to find Coach Quint, the police, and everything. Because I was down there just tearing up the tunnel at Assembly Hall, man. I was so mad. Nothing he could say could get through to me. Just the one time I didn't even listen to him. He couldn't even get through? He couldn't even get through to me. Because I, 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 I was cheated, man. I was I was greatly and gravely treat, uh, cheated. And um, there's nothing I could do about it. Wasn't no time on the clock. I couldn't even try to get a takedown, do nothing. But it was a referee named Mr. Brooks. I'm grateful for him to this day, man. And I always remind him when I see him. He sat me down. And for some reason, I got it was fate. I listened to him. And he was like, man, the whole stadium, the whole world just seen you get cheated. There's no debate in that. And I agreed. I'm shaking my head. And then he's just like, I guess that's how he came off, man. And, and he say, um, I want to ask you something. He said, no, everybody see it. There's no debate in it. Everybody see you get cheated. He said, uh, how many practices did you think that kid missed during the season? I said, probably none. He said, how many did you miss? I said, a few. He said, how many times do you think that kid was late to practice? I said, none. He said, how many times is you? I said, a few. He said, so, yeah, it's a certain thing called fate. He said, yeah, you got cheated, but you weren't deserving to win. And I had to sit there and process that. He said, you weren't deserving to win. He said, so, yeah, you wanted it. You, you obviously should have got your hand raised, but that kid was deserving. He put the work in. He put the extra time in. He said he was deserving. He broke that down to me. I wrestled back and got third. Sean Reynolds and I didn't even. 
that he didn't even have a match in the finals. Luka Chesky out of Barley forfeited, and they was both on team overtime. So I think that was kind of set up too. Eric Kruger was in the semis against uh, Luka Chesky. He got called for a legal slam, getting a takedown at the end. He was up eight to zip. They uh, they disqualified him, man. Him going for third and fourth, which should have been a state finals match, and I beat him six to four. Wrestled all the way back and got third. And within that next two weeks leading up, I went to a national tournament in Nebraska. And in that two weeks, and I tell every kid this, that straddle a fence or want to quit or think they got it rough, I said, man, in that two weeks leading up to the national tournament, I worked harder in that two weeks than I had worked all season my junior year. And I knew if I had done that my whole year, that match with Sean Reynolds, there would have been no debate, and I probably would have majored. Because I started finally putting the work in how I should and just, not re- and just stopped relying on talent. And I went and dominated that national tournament. I beat Danny Gray in the semis. He was number one in the country, and he hadn't lost in two years, not a match. Man, you were just on a warpath after that. I had tunnel vision, man. My whole senior, too, I dominated. And I read that you, you stopped playing football as a senior. You'd go to the practices at the public school, but then you'd also go to the Twisters for after work, after school practices? I, I, was, I was working out like three or four times a day, man. I wanted it that bad. Couldn't, wasn't nothing, wasn't nothing going to stop me. And every, the only thing played in my mind was how they took, took it from me my junior year. So they I've never it. seen that match. And I, I was looking at looking for it this morning. And, and a lot of people say it's one of the most controversial matches in Illinois and, high school and, history. And, and why you think you can't find it. Okay. Out of all the matches from Illinois, why you think you can't find it. It's true. And, uh, and you know, to be honest, I'm, I'm kind of grateful for the podcast and everything. Nine, and I hope that this, I hope, uh, Mr. Reynolds, Sean Reynolds' dad, I kind of hope he see this podcast because I know he feel bad to this day because he did something to make them people change that decision, man. He did something because he was able to talk to the ref and my coach wasn't. They told my coach to get back or they put me out the tournament. i never forget it. I got a photographic memory. I don't forget things, especially nothing like that. I love the story about how after your senior, your senior year, you went it undefeated. You only had like two losses your last three years or two or three mm-hmm. losses. Then you go to the NHSCA Nationals. You win that. And now you're mm-hmm. getting calls from colleges. Were you getting any looks from colleges before that? Uh, yeah, because, because um, it was a big thing leading up to the state tournament. Um, before I even went to senior nationals, it was a big thing. Uh, just, just how they built it up as far as, getting ready if I was going to win state and, and I, it had so many years had passed. I think almost 40 years before we had, uh, last time we had a public league state champ. So you had a few schools coming to, uh, coming to my school to recruit me. I even had a coach, the Eastern Michigan coach popped up at my house unannounced. And I was actually, um, that was after I had won state. So they started coming once I won state, but it was a few coming before I won state. And, um, and once I won saying nationals, almost every school was trying to kick down the door. Every school. This was when um, this when Cal Sanderson was at Iowa State, and he was recruiting me as too. No shit. Yeah. Yep. Actually, it, uh, me, me, me and Kyla Sanderson is pretty close, man. We we had a match at uh, Reno Worlds back in the day, man, and we've been like brothers ever since, man. So. Dude, that's who I'm interviewing in forty minutes. Shout out to Kyla Sanderson, man. Tell him I said what's up, and I love him, man. That's my boy. What a random coincidence that is that to have That's you guys on back-to-back. Back. Wow. 
Every time we see each other coaching our kids at national terms, man, we sit and talk and reminisce, man. That's, that's my boy, man. Nothing but respect for that guy. I'll tell him you say what's up. That's just a, it just goes to show, though, like if you look at your Illinois State tournament record, your sophomore year, you didn't place your junior year, you get third. So going into your senior year, it would make sense why a lot of the D1 programs like the power power programs weren't calling you. But it's like that's how tough Illinois is. You win state as a senior. You win NHSCA nationals. You knocked off some studs out there in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Quinn instilled in me, but he instilled in me like I hadn't been going to national tournaments. Like I said, only thing, only tournaments I went to and what I did is what Quint took me to. I didn't have a dad to take me around like certain dads did back then or the dads now that travel with their kid. So when I showed up to nationals, I mean, I had my mind set on, you guys just ain't wrestling me yet. I don't care what you done done or how many titles you got or what's your ranking and, and I didn't care. I didn't care. And when you're getting ready for a match with Quint, is it is it all business? Are you guys staying loose? Like, what's the what's the mindset when you're getting ready to go out there as a twister? All business, all business. I mean, there's been times where you win matches, man, and he tell you look like crap, man. I didn't got tech falls and major decisions with Quint in my corner. He tell me I look like garbage. So. Man, I just go out there. But, I, I mean, I, I embraced the pressure. I embraced whatever he was going to tell me. It never broke me. It never made me with it. So, like I said, it helped me be great, man. It, it helped make me who I am today. I'm extremely grateful for it. And I remember it all. Man. And so if, if, you're, you know, if your junior year wrestling Reynolds was a, was a big moment, obviously winning state, winning you know, the NHSC Nationals, then you get, you get hooked up with NC State. What happened with, with that whole situation? How'd you end up going out to rally? Well, dealing with everything I was dealing with in my regular back at home life and dealing with all the drama and trauma, man, I just, I chose a school the furthest way I could just to try to get away from everything I was dealing with in Chicago and dealing with at home. But it, I, I, going out there taught me that no matter how far you go, you can go across the globe. If you don't correct your problems immediately, they're going to follow you. And that's what happened. That's what happened. And so you end so, up ba- back in Chicago and, you know, just 10 months removed from winning a state title, you had mm-hmm. some, some legal issues. What, what mm-hmm. happened and how did you get back on track for, in, for the junior college season? Um, so I was out on bond and um, coach, coach Quinn and my lawyer was just saying, just getting somebody schools, it looked good in court. So I ended up at Triton some local in the school I can get to. And I just, I just wrestled with our weight, man. Like I told you, I, I don't, I didn't believe in cutting weight no more. So I was like 169 pounds going 174. I didn't care about the guys coming down from the eighties, maybe even the nineties. And I won nationals. And I actually won nationals with a fractured jaw. I came in, I was out about a month with a fractured jaw and I wrestled the nationals with a fractured jaw. It's got, a, I got highlight tapes on YouTube, but one of my teammates will record. And one of the matches, something happened, and I took injury time out right away. So I was wrestling, trying to avoid con- contact with, with that side of my face. And still was able to pull it out. Dude, that is crazy. And also to know that, like, everything that's going on outside the wrestling room, outside the practice, is just chaos in many times for you. And so balancing the two is, is even more work. Yeah, I mean, any other kid probably would with off, man, or probably would just, it would be too much distraction and, and, and it would affect their performance. But everything I was going through that was negatively outside of wrestling, it made me great in wrestling. 
And I got that discipline to this day. That's why I'm able to coach and, and live how I live and get through the kids how I get through the kids. And I'm I'm a lot like Quinn in that regard where I'm genuine and the kids feel it. And that's why they love me, man. And their dads love me. We got great bonds. And I'm just blessed to be a blessing. And also because you've been through been through ups and downs and you can give those experiences that you've learned yourself versus just talking about it. Mm -hmm. So after junior college, national champ, amazing accomplishment. When was the first time you got back to 150th at Cooper and started working with the kids again at the Twisters program? Um, it took me a few years, man. I kind of, I kind of was in the streets messing up still, but really didn't nobody know it, but I, I wasn't going to go around till I got myself all the way together. But, there was just still a times I was battling within myself, man, and, and fighting demons and, and trying to just figure out my place in life, man. And, and once I figured out what I want to do, I was trying to figure out if I wanted to get back into wrestling full time and train and look to get to Olympics or a world's to world stage. And I was just like, I made a, I made an important decision back then. I said, man, I'm about to give my all to these kids. And that's when it started, man. I was just like, man, I'm going to give my all to these kids. I'm not going to part time them. Any in any way to every way they need me, I'm gonna be there, and that's how that's what I've been, and that's that's what I do. So even after you won the JUCOs, there was a a, a period of your life where you were still battling some demons and and trying to figure things uh, out. Absolutely, I I had a couple of times where I was in and out the county jail. I mean, I'm I'm like I said, I'm grateful for everything I've been through, man. I'm not ashamed of nothing in my past, but it turned me out for the better, man. It turned me out for the better. So yeah, man, I grew up on I grew up in streets of Chicago, man. I'm just a product of my environment for the most part, but at the same time, I knew I was better than the things I was doing. But at the same time, when you're young and you're a kid, all you know is your immediate circumstances. You don't know how to fully think outside of that and grasp something outside of that. All you know is what you're going through, and once it's affecting you for the good or bad, that's what you know, man, and you you try to adjust. And Like I told you earlier, I had to learn a lot the hard way, man. I learned a lot the hard way, but I never withered off and nothing has broke me in this life. So I feel nothing in this life can break me. And just think about all the kids out there who don't have someone like a Quintroy Harrell to help them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I had my times where I was kind of bitter at him, man, growing up. But I had I now, like I said, I fully understand as an adult, he couldn't just cater to me or just be there for me because you got all these other kids that's depending on you. So it ain't just, you know, I, I, I learned and I figured out that it, everything ain't about me. It ain't just about me, man. So I had to learn those things the hard way because I got a leader mentality and I'm a leader. And I remember, I, I mean, I had to learn the hard way. I just can't do everything my way. It ain't just going to go my way. Right. And so now that you're leading the Harvey Twisters, when you look at, you know, day one of practice and you have kids coming in who don't know the names that we've talked about, do you guys do a little history lesson on on the greatness oh, they're walking yeah. into? Yeah. Oh yeah, I sit them down and tell them the real. I tell anybody the rich history, the, the, the rich history, rich history. And I, and I, we got like the shirts. How we make our shirts up? All the names and what they've done is on the back with the years they want state. And um, if I got experience with those guys, I break them down to them, just like with my kids, man. It's, um, throughout the season, periodically, or especially around state time at the practice or before practice or at the tournaments, we bring it up and we huddle up and we get a break. Or when I, when um, I got them working hard on practice, just out of nowhere, I may scream out, tell them everybody, one, two, three, Steve Williams. We, man, I scream Steve Williams name a lot, man. 
And a lot of kids be like, who is Steve Williams? And I sit them down and I break them down who Steve Williams is. I said, this is arguably the greatest twist that ever lived, man. He not with us no more, but he he here with us in spirit. I said, but man, I, I don't let nobody forget that name, man. Nobody. Legendary twister wrestler. Passed away in the early 2000s. I'll never forget hearing it. Freestyle tournament broke, I was at. Yeah, broke my heart, man. Broke my heart. And that's a guy who, as you said, talent-wise, just off the charts, pinned his way through the state tournament and, you know, had his demons as well. But, you know, without him, there's no Joe, there's no TJ. And without him, there's no Travis M. Wow. I, I emulated certain things. He did that mindset and that, that confidence, man. Just like you just said, pent his way through the state tournament. One of those matches, he was down a lot of points. But you wouldn't know it watching the match because he was wrestling like he was winning. And his confidence never, never shook. So I got a lot from that guy too, man. Just that confidence and that mentality. Like, I don't care what you did or who you are, man. I'm Steve Williams. I'm Steve Williams. And that's how he was, man. And he uh, he took over. He was actually the one that was going to uh, replace Quint, man. And he, um, I never forget those couple seasons. He was coaching us, man. It was, it was special, man. It was special. So he coached. So he was one of your youth coaches. Yeah, yeah, before he passed, before he passed. He was one of our youth coaches, man. And I figured out that I had a mentality like that guy, so I gravitated to him. I used to spend a night at his house a lot. That dude, that dude, that dude had one of the fanciest trailer homes I ever seen, jacuzzi tubs and everything throughout it, man. <laughs> like I said, man, this makes sense, dude, because when you I said if you're gonna do something, you're gonna do it right. You Steve Williams. So I looked up to that guy, man. He he was special to me, man. He had Very jacuzzis special. in the trailer? Yep, he was special. He's a special dude, man. And then he would get on the get on the basketball court. He had skills on the basketball court, man. He was he was just a special athlete. How different was his personality from like Joe and TJ? Joe and TJ is more quiet killers. They more they more laid back, um, play it in the cut outside of wrestling. Steve was passionate with wrestling and outside of it, outspoken, outgoing. Um, sitting up, you know, the life of the party, man. Life of the party. Great guy, man. Great personality. Extremely passionate and, and a great personality, man. And, you know, get along with anybody. And I ain't just saying that. That's just, but Joe and TJ from my from my from my history, man, more laid back. You know, you probably have to bring the conversation to them. But with Steve, he gonna come start the conversation with you. The confidence you must have with Steve Williams in your corner must be ridiculous. Man, I felt like I could take on God if I had to. Man, I take on Thanos if I had to. <laughs> with, with him or Quint, man, I, I mean, I'm telling you, man. You can stack all odds against me. If I got those guys, I just that security blanket with them, man. It's, it was special, man. It was special in the mindset, man. Rest in peace to the great Steve Williams. Absolutely. So when you're when you're looking at your your role now, you're there, you know, hundred percent to serve the kids. You know, a selfless mission. How do you like? How do you guys break down technique from day one? Are you going stance and motion? Are you going double legs? Like, how do you guys? Look at that. Absolutely. Stands first. I mean, the, the Michael Jordan said the best, man. The minute the fundamentals go out the window is the minute, no matter how great you are, how talented you are, the minute you're going to fail. You can't, you can't skip steps in wrestling and part-time is get part-time results. So stance and motion first. Uh, see which kid is flat-footed. See what's got some good feet or some good balance. See who's got some agility already. And then from now on, man, you start showing moves little by little and enhance their ability and 
their mentality and they and they and they technique and the rest is history, man. But you know, it, it's each one teach one, man. It take a collective, man. It just can't be one guy. Because there's a ton of coaches in there too at any given oh, yeah. time, right? Oh yeah, but the main thing is, it's like any uh, program empire. Everybody got to be on the same page. Everybody got to be on the same page. Do you guys allow parents in the room? Uh, no, that's a distraction. That's a distraction. Because they're going to be, I mean, you know, parents, you got some that might not do it, but a lot of parents don't play favor with their kids, and that, that brings distraction. That brings distraction. I was just asking for the season, do you guys do it, like, November through August still, where it's like a 10-month season, or do you just do an IKWF now? When we go on, man, it's all year round. Ain't no breaks. Because you got you got kids that play other sports. You got kids that only wrestle, though. So ain't no breaks. We go from January to January. You know, we just kind of, you know, just like everybody got shell-shocked in our world, turned upside down because of COVID. So, but uh, my history with the Twisters is year round, man. You know, there are times where you got one or two kids show up in the offseason. That's fine. You get a lot done with that one or two kids. You don't need a full room all the time. Are you guys going every day? Yep. 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 When we're rocking and rolling, absolutely. That's why I can't wait for this season, man. Everyone's back. There's going to be kids at the tournaments. Twisters will mm-hmm. be on a on a full schedule. You know, as you look ahead for uh, for your plans and, and, and some of your goals of coaching, what does that look like? Just, just giving to the kids as much as possible? Man, I mean, like I teach the kids, man. I don't try to do nothing. If you're trying, you're failing, man. I look to do my best at all times, and I look to be the best possible version of myself at all times. So uh, just going forward, I want to be better every time, better at coaching. Uh, when I first started coaching, I only knew one way. I was taught I had to learn balance, and I had to learn that this generation is a little different. You know, some kids need their ego stroke. Some need to be babied at first. Some need to be built up. Some you can be hard on to go just falls to the wall at all times. They respond well to it. But some you'll break like that right away. So you got to break. Each kid is different, man. And even back then it was. But we just weren't allowed to be weak. We weren't allowed to be soft mentally or just nothing. So I had to learn that, man. And it's made me better. And um, like I said, each kid ain't meant to be a state champ. Some kids probably just going to qualify. Some might place. And some are meant to go all the way and just, just special red, red talents. Like um, the first kid that come to mind now is uh, Nasir Bailey. He's a special talent. He reminds me a lot of myself. I've always told him that over the years. If he put the work in, man, it's like um, nobody could touch him, man. He, he, he like I was when I was wrestling. He'd be two, three moves ahead of his opponent. he see stuff coming. he set traps. he bait like I used to, and that's what made me great. I was able, I was never really stronger than nobody, but I was slick. I'm a very slick wrestler. I was faster and quicker than everybody, and my heart, my mentality, man, I refused to lose. So, uh, but with my coaching, man, I just, I want each kid to know that I'm genuine, man. I'm Whatever you're going through, you can come to Coach Travis, and these relationships ain't just about wrestling. It's bigger than that, and you got me the rest of your life and the rest of mine, man. And that's why I tell them all, their dads know it, their dads feel it. So a lot of stuff that go on with the kids, they they bring me in on it. And um, it take it take us all, man. And I got a young boy, and I know as much as I'm going to be able to get through to him, I'm probably going to need help myself. I'm not naive to that. So I'm just grateful, man. And it's a, it's a great thing. I love the process. I love um, everything that come along with it, the adversity, the good times, the bad, because it's all a part of it. 
it's all a part of growing and, and getting better, you know. So you have a son as well? Yeah. How old is he? He's three years old right now. And he give me a run for my money, man. He run me, man. <laughs> he Dude, run I'm, me. I'm 32, man. I'm every day. My mom's calling me asking when it's going to happen. So I, I'm thinking about it a lot these days. How does I'm just curious from a from a wrestler to a wrestler. How does a kid change your approach to coaching? Well, he's been around it since he was a kid, and everybody got in their mind that I'm going to make him wrestle. Um, but he, he, this dude is three years old, going on 30, man. He holds four <laughs> conversations with me. And, um, like, over the summer, he just told me, Daddy, I want to go outside and play soccer. He got us went ahead to buy a soccer ball, and we kicked the ball around. And when we had wrestling practice, just because he's around, he'd do a sprints with the guys, push-ups. He might go out there and shoot a shot, but I don't force him to do nothing yet. I work out at home. He do his pull-ups and dips and push-ups. When he get ready, I ain't forcing nothing on him yet. He only three. But um, as he mature, and the more and more, I'm, I'm watching him every day. I'm watching him grow. I'm watching him get better. Um, whatever he decides he want to do, I'm just going to make sure he's great at it, man, and I'm going to make sure he don't do what I did starting off wrestling and just relying on talent. Because talent only going to get you so far as you level up. It's going to take more than that. It's going to take more than talent and your mindset. Gonna have to put the work in. Man, you talk to live up to that talent. You gotta live up to that talent. You talk about talent, and I I just I don't know why, but for some reason it came into my head. When you were wrestling Duke Burke in the semis your senior year, you hit Uh a misdirection, a two misdirection shot, and I just like man, I think of like just talent and then I call it a misdirect high C. So about that move, man, I I created that move back in the day. Me and Timmy Spring sat around in off season as kids one day. He was like, man, because he was Timmy was a mistake channel. He was one of the guys I love. He grew up across the street from me. He was good at basketball, football, and of course a wrestling standout. And I looked up to that because I I had that same capability. I was good at dribbling and I could put a move on you and on the bat on the football field I could catch and I had all the nasty jukes and I was fast. And I was like, uh, man, I want to make up some moves, man. Let's call it N one wrestling. And I just started practicing and I did that move. I, I call it the misdirection high crotch. And Quint told me that stuff wasn't that move ain't gonna work on the good guy. <laughs> and I and every time he told me something I, I combated with him and I, I wanted to go out of my way to prove him wrong. And uh, he said, show me that move gonna work on the good guys and I shut up about it. And I went and won state and nationals with it. And from that day forward, I come back to the room. Certain kids that had that type of skill set, he would say, Travis, get them on that misdirection high cross. It, it overwhelmed me, man. It, it made me feel like I'd done something good, man. So I was proud of that. I was proud of that. And um, I teach that move to certain kids who got the ability to hit it. Um, actually, one of my teammates, Mario Morgan, man, if it wasn't for that move, man, I don't know how he would have won nationals in college at uh, Nebraska-Omaha. He walked through the tournament with that misdirection high cross. Dude, that quarterfinal match, he was losing. And uh, I don't, you know, it comes from the, maybe it was the semis, but comes from the depths and uh, yeah, gets it done. But dude, it's like a super duck, but then you switch the other way. And I was just, I was watching that mm-hmm. match. I'm like, that is filthy. It's two, it's two outside steps, man, and the outside pivot. It's an outside step. So you bait that one leg. And then once he falls step and put his weight to defend that, you got you, gotta, you can't have do it. You got to fully commit, man. You got to fully commit. Awesome yeah. stuff, man. I, I was fun watching those matches. Shout out to Duke Burke, listener of the show. But, um, yeah, man, it's, it's been an honor to connect with you, Travis. Like I said, I remember your name a lot growing up. You were a couple years older than me, but, you know, I don't know if you know the, like, Jamal Lawrence's of the world. You know, a lot of people don't remember that name, but he was he oh, was yeah. also nasty. Is he around still? Um, 
I will have to, I will have to, uh, man, his cousin Jamal Muhammad, I'll have to ask him what's up with Jamal, man. I haven't, I haven't heard or I, I even thought to ask about him in years, man. You're going to make me go ask about him now. Glad yeah, he that was a tough. That was a tough dude. And then last one for you. What about Cameron Lloyd? I wrestled him at State my senior year. The Lloyd's still around? They around. I was just at their uncle wedding, and I seen those guys, Cartiz, Cameron, Lloyd. Them, them some special athletes, man. That dude, Cartiz, about five, 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 six. That dude can do a standstill full twist, man. That's a special dude. Special dude. Special athlete, man. Can flip, man. You would think he went to the Olympics for gymnastics. Cameron, just a physical specimen, man, and just you would think he was sculpted and chiseled out, man. That dude, <laughs> both them dudes, man, especially dudes. Really, all four of the Lloyd brothers. They got two brothers, Cardi and Mikey, too. They all athletes, man. They all special. Char- is Charles a brother or a cousin? They, he the cousin. He the big cousin. He the old cousin. Legendary. La- right, this is the last one for you. I remember these kids, the Moody brothers. Where are they at these days? Jabari. And- uh, I believe Jabari actually. Uh, I think he wrestled in uh, one of them national tournaments recently at Greco, and I think he did go to the world trials. So I believe he's still competing. Okay. Um, Nicozy, I think Nicozy's at home, man, just working. And we gotta we gotta give some love to Albert White, a former Twister, now one of the coaches at the University of Little Rock, Arkansas, one of the one of the greats, and you know, awesome to see that he's carrying on the the tradition, man. As are you. Mm-hmm. Travis Hammonds, yep, thank you so much for your time, sir. I really appreciate it, man. No problem, man. And more, 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 more best of luck to you in the future with your podcast, man. Hopefully get bigger and bigger, man. Thank Bless you. To you and your family. I will, uh, if I see you this season at the Illinois tournaments, I'll come say what's up, man. Absolutely. You'll see. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. To see video clips from this interview, please go to Instagram at Wrestling Changed My Life. This episode was proudly presented by Spartan Combat. The Spartan Combat Nationals are returning to Jacksonville, Florida, April 8th through the 10th, 2022. Register now at SpartanCombat.com.